This is the sidebar for the week of April 7th, 2017. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. C-SPAN's The Sidebar goes beyond the headlines of the stories shaping the conversation in Washington and across the country, with interviews providing background and context to the issues and events dominating the news cycle. Our guest this week is the former governor of New Mexico, Bill Richardson. As a diplomat and special envoy, Governor Richardson has received four Nobel Peace Prize nominations, and he has successfully won the release of hostages and American servicemen in North Korea, Cuba, Iraq, and Sudan. We talked with him about the current state of tension between North Korea and the United States, and why he thinks the U.S. needs to change its approach to engaging with what many describe as the Hermit Kingdom. A new approach is needed, and and the more urgent the better because of the unpredictability of the regime in North Korea. Joining us on the phone from Santa Fe, New Mexico, is former Governor Bill Richardson. Governor, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. You are one of the preeminent experts on North Korea. So let me begin with a very general question. How does the U.S. deal with the North Korean government? The North Korean government uh, is is a very difficult government to deal with. Uh, they operate and govern through a cult of personality. They've only had three leaders in their existence. And today, Kim Jong-un, the present leader, the son of Kim Jong-il, who was the son of King Young-sam, uh, is unpredictable. Uh, we know very little about him. He's warlike. He's... Uh, disposes of his enemies within his circle. Uh, he's shooting missiles. He's shooting uh, uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, it's a very dangerous situation today. I've never seen the Korean Peninsula under the leadership of King Jong-un as so dangerous as probably the first foreign policy test for President Trump. Unpredictable in a very unstable part of the world. Completely, because you've got China that is trying to assert itself militarily in the region, especially uh, with South Korea and Japan in terms of geopolitical control of space and water and islands. You've got South Korea possibly changing uh, into a new government that may be more disposed to negotiating with North Korea, yet having had an impeachment. You've got Japan in very, very tense situation because some of the missiles that North Korea has been uh, testing can easily hit Japan. And then, of course, this affects American security because we've got 25,000 American troops in South Korea. We have to defend South Korea if there's any kind of altercation. And then we have 50,000 American troops in Japan. So uh, we have a treaty and a responsibility to respond. And the big danger, Steve, is a miscalculation on anyone's part. Uh, North Korea, South Korea, a little altercation that can blow up into a very tense situation. And let's remember, North Korea, besides having these missiles and, and over a million troops, has possibly 20 nuclear weapons. 
Well, that's my next question then. What is North Korea capable of doing? And these recent missile tests, what does that tell you about uh, the goals, the aim, the objectives of the North Korean government? Well, objective number one is to send a message to the world that North Korea, the new uh, North Korean leader, is not going to negotiate the way his father and grandfather did on nuclear weapons, that they're going to keep their nuclear arsenal, that they're going to continue their missile tests. This is the big card that North Korea feels they have, and they are continue being unpredictable, aggressive, uh, what they want is an end to sanctions that the world has on them. What they want to do is uh, get in East Asia a preeminent geopolitical situation. China is the one country that has leverage over North Korea. Uh, they have food assistance that they give them, energy assistance. But the issue is, does China really want to tame North Korea, control them, help the United States reduce tensions. It could be that China doesn't want to do that. We will know that in the days ahead. Governor Richardson, let me follow up on that because we've heard from the president. He said that if China does not work with us, basically the U.S. would have a go-it-alone strategy. Some rather sharp comments this week by the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. So what's your readout on what we're getting from the Trump administration? Well, we're getting inconsistent policy discussions. Uh, we have the president going one direction, the secretary of state and the U.N. ambassador going another direction, and there has to be better coordination. It seems that the foreign policy team is not speaking with one voice. Uh, initially, I thought President Trump, uh, by not uh, revealing uh, what his options might be towards North Korea, was taking the right tack. But lately, when I hear about a preemptive strike and the Secretary of State saying, we're not going to say anything more about North Korea, uh, you wonder what, what the options may be. What I am very concerned about is statement that President Trump has been making that China has to do more, that if China doesn't act to restrain North Korea, we're going to go alone, that we're going to use trade as a weapon with China to persuade them. You know, I've dealt with the Chinese. I've dealt in that region. This is not a way to, to negotiate, even though the president is the art of the deal and the great negotiator. I'm, I'm very concerned that some altercation is going to happen because of a miscalculation or a, a dangerous statement or uh, some kind of vessel uh, being uh, overcome with with some uh, bombs. I'm, I'm very concerned about this very fragile, tense situation in the peninsula, and I think it's going to be the first test of the president's foreign policy. So the obvious follow-up, if there were some type of military intervention or some sort of airstrike, what would it look like, and what are the ramifications? Well, every president, from Clinton to Bush to Obama, have, have been very concerned about a scenario where uh, a, a provocation uh, uh, or a military option taking out one of the sites in North Korea by the United States, uh, North Korea will respond, and they'll respond uh, most likely uh, towards South Korea, towards Seoul, 25 million people there. I mentioned that they have nuclear weapons. I mentioned, too, that missiles could uh, fly out and possibly hit Japan and possibly hit South Korea. Uh, I mentioned that we have 25,000 American troops. 
uh, under a treaty obligation in South Korea, 50,000 in uh, in Japan. So uh, I'm worried uh, about a provocation uh, or a military strike without knowing how we're going to respond and not having the support of China, which is the country that has the most leverage over North Korea. So uh, this is why diplomacy has been tried. I believe it did work temporarily, even though North Korea did cheat. Uh, this is not a situation with easy options. I cannot say that the best option is X, Y, or Z. I can say that there has to be a good, effective carrot and stick policy of diplomacy, of sanctions, of uh, increased pressure on North Korea from China, uh, keeping the military option on the table. I think a combination of all of those, rather than uh, inconsistent statements from the president, from the secretary of state and the U.N. ambassador on what we're going to do. And to go back to your earlier point, a very unpredictable leader in Kim Jong-un linked to the horrific death of his half-brother earlier this year in Malaysia and the murder of his uncle, who was part of the North Korean leadership. These two instances that we know about, there may be more. What can you say about this? Well, it is clear that they have happened, that uh, Kim Jong-un uses these tactics uh, uh, of eliminating his opposition uh, within North Korea, now even his half-brother. Uh, he probably is very concerned about his own status with the North Korean military, with the North Korean party. He he obviously wants to eliminate any kind of dissent, but it shows an unpredictability uh, that uh, even shooting missiles right before the president and the president of China are meeting uh, as – in the days ahead. So my problem is uh, how do you deal with there are few good options and a totally unpredictable leader who wants to provoke some kind of response? And, and, and the answer is the best way to deal with that is have a strategy. Number two, speak consistently. Find countries that have leverage over North Korea, such as China, uh, possibly Russia. Uh, get South Korea and Japan and the United States on a coordinated uh, plan, or maybe bring new actors in, bring a new mediation process, bring some kind of negotiation, uh, possibly even uh, somebody that hasn't been involved before, uh, perhaps the United Nations, perhaps uh, the Pope. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying these are good options. I'm just saying that uh, what has been tried before, strategic patience, past policies, uh, negotiating, uh, and then North Koreans cheating, and then now with an unpredictable leader who is uh, determined to, to cause turmoil in the region, uh, how do you deal with that? I think you do it through diplomacy. You do it through new approaches. And with regard to the turmoil in the region, the political instability in South Korea how does that complicate the situation? Well, it complicates the situation because you may have a new government in South Korea who's ahead in the polls right now that possibly may want to reduce tensions with North Korea and negotiate with North Korea. I'm not sure that's uh, the best uh, approach. Uh, I think it depend depends on South Korea's internal situation. I do support, I think we do new need to move forward with South Korea 
with what is called a THAAD missile, an anti-missile system, because of the dangers coming from North Korea. I don't think we should bargain that as the Chinese want us to do. I think the main objective should be to a moratorium on missile activity from North Korea, a curtailment of the North Korean nuclear program, but they're not going to eliminate it. I think that option is off the table. They're going to keep their nuclear potential because that's their big card. Uh, a lot of their people are starving. Their economy is in terrible shape. So the card to negotiate for North Korea, if it wants to negotiate, I think eventually it's going to have to, it's going to want to because of the dire economic situation in the South, that uh, we construct new approaches uh, with our allies, not go it alone, not be uh, warlike, find ways to mix uh, military options with diplomacy, with sanctions, and most importantly, with uh, an effort to reduce tension in the region. You have been to North Korea on a number of occasions, Governor. When was the first time you were in Pyongyang? Under what circumstances? And how often since then? Well, my first time was in the mid-90s. I was a member of Congress, a member of the Intelligence Committee, and uh, I was there principally to negotiate the release of two American pilots who had been shot down by the North Koreans. Uh, one of them perished. Uh, we were able to get one of the pilots out. Uh, that got me started in, in helping American soldiers, prisoners, uh, get them out of uh, uh, detention in places like Cuba and, as I mentioned, North Korea, Iraq, Sudan. Can I stop you there? Um, how, how do you negotiate the release of somebody from North Korea? How does that well, happen? Uh, well, you, you're, you're persistent. You know, it's a, you have to find a way to connect with your negotiating partner in a personal way. You have to be persistent. I remember I told the North Koreans I wasn't going to leave until I got the pilot out. I think that got them to move more rapidly because I was driving them crazy. I think you use the media, you use public diplomacy to argue for the plight of a prisoner. But then you're honest with your adversary, your negotiating partner with Iraq, with Saddam Hussein, when I say, you know, you've got these two Americans here. This was in the mid-'90s. You've uh, kept them here for six months. You can't get anything more out of it. You'll get some good press for humanitarian action by releasing them. But the United States is not going to lift sanctions. I think just being honest with them and telling them that uh, this is a good step for both sides, it's a humanitarian step, that's, that's how you negotiate with dictators. I wrote a book called How to Sweet Talk a Shark, uh, and, and that's uh, it's just personal diplomacy. It's connecting with the other side. So let me follow up on that, because as you well know, Otto Warmbier, 21 years old, a college student from Ohio. He has been held in North Korea for well over a year. What can you tell us about his situation, your own involvement, and what advice would you give the Trump administration in trying to seek his release? Well, the advice I would give the Trump administration is, one, make this a priority. This is a young American illegally detained. Yeah, he made a mistake. He, he stole a political banner uh, from a dormitory, but he's been sentenced to 15 years. He's from Ohio. His parents are very concerned. There's been no consular visits in quite a while. The Swedish government represents us. So we don't know his physical situation, although he is a young man, and, and I presume he's healthy. But 
we should use his case as humanitarian case possibly as a path forward as a negotiating tactic uh, because he's being used as a bargaining chip to maybe get talks going with the North Koreans and other issues. But I think we shouldn't forget that there's a human being there who's an American who's suffering, who we need to get out. But use that humanitarian gesture, negotiation with the North Koreans as a way to start a dialogue with them. This has happened before in situations that I've been involved, and possibly uh, this is what we should consider about Otto Warmbier, a young man in his 20s who's suffering, who's uh, been sentenced to 15 years, who made a mistake, but deserves to come home. I realize I stopped you mid-thought when we were talking about uh, the release of hostages. So that was your first visit in the 1990s, your subsequent visits, under what circumstances? And, and what did you learn, see, and observe during your visits? Well, uh, visiting North Korea is like uh, going into the twilight zone, like the 50s in Berlin or the Cold War. Very stark buildings, people are... Uh, walking, it's very close, very cold. They're walking, uh, not looking at you. Uh, uh, it, it's a cult of personality. It's uh, uh, the government, the the leaders of the country have total devotion from their people, and yet their people are starving. There's gulags there, um, but at the same time, I think you can negotiate with the North Koreans. You could with a father the grandfather, the old regime. With this new leader, well, he's not new. He's been there a couple of years. He's unpredictable. (laughs) Nobody's been able to get to him, not the Chinese. Dennis Rodman, the basketball player, had a visit there. And uh, I don't know if that that is a connection anymore. I don't think so. So uh, you're negotiating with uh, somebody that uh, has an arsenal of weapons, who's unpredictable, uh, and you don't know what he wants out of any relationship, even with his allies like China, much less with his archenemy, the South Koreans and the United States and Japan. So how does North Korea survive? How do they pay their bills? What do they export? How do they eat? How do they get energy? Where does it all come from? China is a big player there. They provide a lot of food to North Korea. They trade with North Korea. They buy their coal. Um, Then North Korea goes into the black market and develops uh, nuclear technology with other countries like it has with Pakistan, like it has their reports with Syria. Um, They're an agricultural country primarily. They sell a lot of their goods in the region. Some countries still trade with them despite the economic embargo on them, um, you know, they're very poor. Uh, most uh, members of uh, the North Korean population are either in the military or they're in agriculture, subsisting on maybe $10, $15 a month equivalent. Food is rationed. Um, there's very tight control, but they have most of their resources going into nuclear technology, the military, uh, very little uh, for the people. So there's enormous food shortages. The United Nations humanitarian assistance can go into North Korea. They have uh, floods that uh, devastate the country. uh, They're a country that I think eventually needs 
humanitarian assistance for its people, not for the government. And I think that's where a potential negotiation might be uh, in exchange for North Korea curtailing their aggressive behavior, their their very strong weapons technology objectives with humanitarian assistance, easing of sanctions, but get something in return. Uh, But do it diplomatically through dialogue. Don't do it with military threats and a possible provocation that could uh, make that whole region into a tinderbox. So could it lead in the long term on the possibility of reunification between North and South? Can you envision any scenario in which that could happen? Anything is possible. Um, I think there are deep political difficulties on both sides in the North and South towards that. I think South Korea would be concerned about the dependence uh, of North Korea, uh, like the Germanys were when East Germany became uh, became part of a, a wholesome Germany. I think China would be very concerned about the peninsula unifying because it reduces their influence, and they don't want to see a lessening of tensions. I've always felt China wants to see tension. They want to cause some problems for us uh, in that region because they want to dominate it, and the status quo sometimes is the best option for them. And since they have not uh, tried to be helpful with North Korea in the past, a lot of words, a lot of U.N. votes uh, condemning, but uh, real uh, leverage on uh, economic and sanctions and coal exports, uh, that remains to be seen. They haven't done it. So uh, objective number one needs to be China seriously trying to get North Korea to restrain their aggressive behavior by economic sanctions, by economic pressure, because they have the most leverage over North Korea. Have you been to the DMZ zone? Oh, yes. I've been there many times. Uh, The last time I was there, uh, uh, during the administration of President Bush, we brought back the remains of seven soldiers, American soldiers from the Korean War. The North Koreans actually handed them over to me, uh, and it was a goodwill gesture. And so they're capable of sending messages like that. Uh, but the, the DMZ is a very tense area, and, and we've got close to 30,000 American troops in that uh, vicinity. But there are landmines there, there are missiles, uh, there's uh, a million and a half a person army that the North Koreans have. They're not patsies, they're uh, a warlike military that is uh, got a very strong military arsenal. One agreement between President Obama and President Trump, North Korea, is the one issue that kept them or keeps them both up at night. It's their one big concern, I guess in large part because of the very point you made early on, Governor, the unpredictability and the leader that is ruling North Korea. That's right. It's uh, a provocation, a miscalculation. Um, And I worry that a military strike, this is what every president has been worried about, on a North Korean site will provoke some response from North Korea that draws the region into a huge conflict that might involve missiles and hopefully not nuclear weapons, but, but you never know. So I think a negotiation, a new approach, I think the past policies that our presidents have followed, strategic patience, which basically meant let the regime collapse uh, 
don't do anything, continued sanctions, has really not worked. And so new approaches are needed. And I'd like President Trump to develop a new approach that combines sanctions and diplomacy and keeping military options on the table. But do it with our allies. Don't do it alone. And, and stop tweeting and find ways to uh, develop a coherent approach because Asia is a most important region for the United States uh, for millions of people. And of course, Governor Richardson, you can always learn more by looking back rather than looking ahead. So as you look at the past policies of President Obama and President Bush and your former boss, President Clinton, were they mistakes? Well, I believe President Clinton and President Bush had the correct policy, negotiate, find a way that in exchange for North Korea eliminating or curtailing their nuclear weapons, they get food, energy, uh, some agreements were reached uh, for a while under President Clinton. North Korea did not develop any new nuclear weapons, uh, but then North Korea started cheating. Uh, they changed their objective. Uh, President Bush tried the hardline approach, then he shifted the negotiation. Uh, then the new leader of North Korea came in, who it's unpredictable what he wants to do. Uh, President Obama continued a policy of sanctions, uh, but uh, I think the view was that the strategic patience policy, uh, North Korea is increasing their nuclear capability. Their technology is improving. Uh, China is not helping. So I think a new approach is needed. And I think President Trump has an opportunity to develop a new approach. And so far, while I was uh, pleased with the early restraint, I'm concerned about inconsistent statements between the president, the secretary of state, uh, the U.N. ambassador. I think we need a coherent policy that includes our allies, that includes China, uh, that focuses on diplomacy rather than talking about military strikes and a military conflagration, which would be a disaster for that region. You have served as a special envoy, a member of Congress, energy secretary, U.S. ambassador to the U.N., and, of course, the former governor of New Mexico. Are you personally willing to go back to North Korea to do some of these things that you've talked about? I am, but I don't want to get in the way of the administration. My concentration has been on trying to get this young man, Otto Warmbier, out of North Korea from the detainment that he's suffering today. I have a foundation that focuses on getting political prisoners out of difficult situations. I would concentrate on the humanitarian side, but if, if they wanted my advice, which uh, they have not asked for, uh, I'm willing to give it and I'm willing to, to be helpful. But I think this is a task for the president, the secretary of state, secretary of defense, with our allies, with China, with South Korea, with uh, Japan, a new approach is needed. And and the more urgent, the better because of the unpredictability of the regime in North Korea. Governor Bill Richardson joining us from Santa Fe, New Mexico for your time, your insights and your perspective. We thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. All the best. This has been C-SPAN's The Sidebar. Be sure to follow C-SPAN and C-SPAN Radio on Twitter and let us know what you'd like to hear about in future episodes using the hashtag C-SPAN Sidebar. If you like the program, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast player. Every C-SPAN podcast is available on the free C-SPAN Radio app for Apple and Android devices, as well as iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn, 
and Stitcher. Thank you for listening.